This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the Single Simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back. Listening to Militantly Mixed. I would like to acknowledge that the Militantly Mixed podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Chumash and the Tongva people, and I wish to pay my respects to the people of those nations, both past and present. Hey y'all, welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, aka Mixed Girl Maine, the busiest mixed race bisexual polyamorous atheist comic book nerd cat mom podcaster in this podcasting game. This is episode 110 and I know this last month has been kind of spotty with the episodes. Um, I did take one whole week off because things had kind of backed up and it was just a bit of a rough week. And I'm not going to say that there's anything in particular more tragic than not that has happened over the last month, but I think I just finally hit a wall in terms of I wasn't resting enough. I wasn't giving myself enough space. I was trying to do too much so that when things were happening, it was getting pretty heavy. I did get some bad mood news over the month, and then I got some really good news right off the back of it. So I was conflicted. I wasn't processing those two things side by side well. And um, and I, I really just kind of struggled this month. But a few things that have happened over the last couple of weeks that have, have sort of helped pick me back up is that we did our live stream a week ago um, for Militantly Mixed, the third Thursday of the month, and we covered mental health while mixed. Having that conversation reminded me to take a beat and to rest and and to make sure that I was taking care of myself so that I can take care of others. Since I do prioritize taking care of others, I sometimes miss that step of taking care of myself first. And not in an individualistic or negative kind of way, but like they say on the airplane, if the masks fall, put your mask on first and then help the people next to you. Because if you don't have them, you're not going to be that much help. Uh, So that was a lesson that was hard learned over the last couple of weeks. And I've been kind of trying to work on that to get myself back to my normal main that I have felt really disconnected to for for a little while. So I have given myself a little bit of time. I am trying to make sure that I rest enough so that I can give more of myself to every element of things that I'm doing instead of what has been happening over the last month or so, which I was giving very little of myself to every single thing that I am doing. My day job, my part-time job, my mask making, my podcasting, my growing of my own business with the Gulf Coast Cosmos I wasn't able to give enough to everything because I was drained. I was just beyond drained. And I still am pretty drained, but I have done a little bit of resting and I'm finding that reminding myself to look after myself and give myself some time to rest has been the difference between sort of um, recommitting to everything that I have going on and knowing that I'm not going to be able to be a superwoman all the time. That is a hard learned lesson for me. 
it's weird because it's something that I'm comfortable saying to other people, but not comfortable to listening to my for myself. But I just have to. And you have to. We have to acknowledge the fact that we are all going through so much right now, not just what we go through in our personal lives. We're not even beginning to touch that before we maneuver through the world in the midst of a global pandemic that doesn't seem to be slowing down anytime soon. We're also dealing with very significant issues with climate change and, you know, actual natural disasters that are happening all over the world. That's impacting us and cutting away at our resolve. The political climate right now is cutting away at our resolve. There's so much stacked up against us being able to be our regular resilient selves before you even get to what you're dealing with in your own personal life. And it is a lot. It is a lot more than you think it is. And we have to acknowledge that and give ourselves a beat. In my day life, I am an HR manager. And while HR department tends to be a little bit intimidating or uncomfortable for a lot of people, I am the kind of HR manager that is very pro taking your time. Your vacation days, use them up every year. Your PTO, use it up every year. Your sick time, if you are sick, even if it's just a cold, stay home. Use that time. It's money you are paid for from the work that you have done. And you are not doing anybody any favors, including the companies that you work for, by not taking your time. You're just losing it. And you need to take that time so that you can enjoy your life. We're not born just to work at a job and be the best whatever it is, fill in the blank, that we can be. We have to be the best version of ourselves. And part of that is taking time, finding ways to enjoy life, and taking care of ourselves. So if you got some saved up, PTO or vacation time, you better start taking it. You better start taking it because life is too short to only have been the best employee with a hundred percent attendance rate your whole life. I'm seeing that a lot in in my life and I want to see that kind of go away. I would like to use this opportunity of this quarantine or semi-quarantine to uh, get people to shift our culture and our work culture ideas, I guess is what I want to say into actually taking the time off that you've earned with your labor and resting, cutting off at the end of your day, not reviewing your emails at night, cut off. When you clock out, your time is yours and your family's and the people you love. And when you clock in, you focus on work, you take your days off, you take your PTO, your vacation, your sick time when you are actually sick, And that'll actually be way more of a benefit to you and to the companies that you work for if you actually do that. I see it way more now than I ever have before. And I just wanted to take a moment to to say all that. Um, So I know that over the last month, um, I haven't been able to commit my full self to the episodes and it has probably shown. I've also recorded at least three episodes that I have not shared because I didn't feel like I was myself in them or that I was giving exactly what it is I was trying to communicate through. And it was just better to not do it than to have something put on record that just wasn't the the me that I know. It was a different version, I guess, of me. Um, and I wasn't really comfortable with myself over the last month. I'm like everybody going through things that I'm just not processing in a time that I would probably normally process if I had all the resolve that I normally do. 
which is impossible right now. It's just impossible right now. We have too much stuff going on. So I'm trying to give myself a little bit of grace, which is what I tell people to give themselves all the time. And, um, and just kind of take a deep breath and start from today, every day. I'm going to be trying to work on doing that. So I do hope that this episode is actually more reflective of my normal manny self and, um, and that I can get back on the track that I'm most comfortable being on. Um, you'll have to forgive me a little bit because, because I have actually recorded a, f- a couple of episodes that I didn't end up sharing. I, um, I'm a little not 100% sure of what actually went out onto the show over the last couple of weeks and what I was just something I recorded that I didn't end up sharing um, because I actually have talked about it and recorded it. So it feels like I've communicated it, but I may not have. And I don't have enough time to kind of go back and listen to the last two episodes. Um, so I'm just going to kind of do a recap of the full situation here. And if there's anything that's been talked about already, apologies for that. I just want to make sure that I I get it all kind of in one space. Um, I do want to do an update on what was going on with the logo. Basically just a quick summary earlier in, uh, earlier last month, a listener had reached out to me on Instagram to say that they really love the show and they get a lot of education out of it, but they were curious if I was just aware of the history related to Japan and other parts of Asia. And and the reason why they asked is because my logo has a representation of the rising sun, the Japanese rising sun, that is reminiscent of the Japanese naval ensign, sometimes also known as the marine ensign, which was a uh, World War II era and, and before that era flag. Um, I grew up with that image around a lot, you know, on my Japanese side, and I always equated it to the, what I thought was the Japanese flag at the time my grandma was born and living in Japan when she was younger. I did not realize that that wasn't the actual Japanese flag, that the Japanese flag since 1887, I believe it is, is, is just the red disc on the white field that you see today. Um, I thought that the, the rising sun flag that included the sun rays was the Japanese flag, the country flag. I did not know that it wasn't, that it was only a war flag. Um, so that is actual new information that I've gained in the process of this, um, uh, logo refresh, I guess you want to say logo update, uh, research that I was doing. I did not realize that I was using something that was only used as a war flag and that for East Asians and Southeast Asians, that imagery would potentially trigger memories or ancestral memories um, of the atrocities that were committed by Japan in East and Southeast Asia. I was aware of, I, I definitely, you know, not super detailed, but I do know about Japan's colonization throughout East and South Asia. And I know that that has a lot to do with a lot of the anti-internal anti-Asian sentiment, like that Koreans and Japanese don't get along and Chinese and Japanese don't get along. And, you know, like throughout Asia, that Japan is outside of that. And the way that translated for me growing up was that we were an island nation, we were Japanese, and the rest of them were Asian. How that might translate for someone from other parts of Asia, Koreans, Chinese, Filipinos, Indonesian, Thai, they might view Japan as an oppressor because they were an oppressor. 
And so there is still, and will continue to be for probably a long time, a lot of animosity between various Asian cultures, because there's still people alive that remember, or their descendants have been told the stories from their grandparents and and, um, great-grandparents about what was going on. So the fact that there is difficulty having relationships between various Asian groups and populations has a lot to do with how horrific the history was, in particular, what was perpetrated by Japan across East and Southeast Asia. So a couple things that I want to make clear first is one, I did not take a copy of the war flag and use that in my logo. What I did was I was inspired by the sun rays and I incorporated that image into my logo. Um, the, the image with the sun rays is, and the, and the disc is actually offset. And I have, my logo was more symmetrical. So, um, one thing I did need to clarify from a message I got earlier is that I didn't, I wasn't, um, in violation of any trademark or anything like that. I, it was a representation, a, a symmetrical representation of this offset image that I grew up seeing and associating with my Japanese side. So no, there wasn't a trademark violation in in that respect. Um, And the reason why I had decided to do a change to my logo based off of this message that I received is that in doing so and seeing the message and then doing research, it made it very clear to me that a representation of the war flag, specifically, once I found out it was the war flag um, and not the actual flag of the nation, um, that seeing that flag from the perspective of a Korean person or a Chinese person or Filipino, any place where Japan committed atrocities, to see that image wouldn't be much different than here in the United States being a Black person or a mixed Black person and seeing the Confederate flag, or being a person of European Jewish heritage and seeing the Nazi flag, that this, that these symbols were used in connection with atrocities committed against humanity, whichever groups and races of the people didn't matter. What mattered was that we as humans create symbols that sort of like bind us to an ideology or a commitment or a country or whatever. And they're, they're being displayed in a place could actually trigger fear response, trauma responses, things like that. Although I personally have never been met with racial atrocities while the Confederate flag was flying. I do know that that is very much a part of what has happened in this country. I'm also a person of Black heritage with relatives who grew up in the South who have heard the stories from the past. And then generally, as you can see of what's going on in our news, we're still seeing so much anti-blackness and the Confederate flag is almost always present. When the when these images are happening through video trauma, do picture trauma, whatever, that I am triggered by that imagery of the Confederate flag. I see it and I instantly feel a trauma response. Knowing that, it was not a hard decision to, and I wasn't even asked. I, I do also want to make that clear. I was not asked to change my logo. I was asked only if I was aware of what that image might do to Korean people or, or other Asians that were affected by Japan. 
So I wasn't asked to change it. It was really clear really quickly that I have to change it because I was not under any circumstances going to do to other people what I know has been done to my people just because I have some kind of pride or um, connection to my culture, to one of my cultures. I wasn't going to do that. So if, if in finding out that the imagery of the, the rising sun that includes the sun rays has that response um, by non-Japanese Asians, it was already like, okay, this has to change. It was emotional for me. And I do remember that one of the episodes went through, I did share. I was in it. I was really, really in it at the time. So it was hard to record without sharing the emotion. Um, I'm, I've been dealing with it and I can talk about it without tearing up right now. <sighs> Realizing that something that I created was having that effect on people really upset me. I did not want to be responsible for doing something like that to other people. That's not my brand. <laughs> That's not how I am. I created Militantly Mixed because I wanted to create a safe community space for mixed people to be their mixed ass selves and be proud and represent for where they come from and acknowledge that sometimes we are mixed with both the oppressor and the oppressed. And that is very complicated for us. And it definitely shows itself in the way that I'm mixed. So I know that it's showing itself in the way that y'all are mixed too. In this particular case, I didn't realize that I was doing it. And being as involved in this type of work that I am in, it feels like something that I maybe should have been able to know. But as I'm starting to think back, I, I see how little access to the information I had so that I didn't. But I don't really find that forgivable. Like our, our education is so poor that once we get to be adults and we have to try to search and do education for ourselves, we're only picking things that are usually based off of something that something else is triggered. You hear something on a TV show and you're like, hey, I don't know anything about that. And let me Google it. Um, someone brings up something and you're like, oh, that sounds interesting. Let me Google it. There's not always a random day where you're just sitting on the couch thinking, you know, I really like this flag. I wonder if there's anything bad about it that I should know. That never happened. And so I didn't get there. I just associated this image with my grandmother because it was around. And it's really funny too, um, not funny haha, but funny is that my grandmother, although she was born in Japan and raised there, and during the time of Emperor Hirohito, she is very anti-Hirohito, angry about what he did to Japan. And yet this image, this particular type of flag, was very much around. I got to see it a lot, and it's just one of those things that even a Japanese person probably didn't have a lot of awareness and thought about it. And so I never got there. And it's just bizarre that that is a thing. You just, I guess it's really important to kind of understand the imagery that you grow up with. But I don't know how we get there, how we learn that stuff, unless somebody brings it up. And that's basically what happened. A person just mentioned it and not in a negative way, in, in a way that was still like, I don't think based off of what I've heard from your show that you would intend this, but maybe you should know that it does cause harm. 
And thank goodness I got the message that I got because I didn't, would never want to have something like that just hanging and people feeling a kind of way and me not knowing. And the second I knew that that was happening, I also knew I had to change it. So that's why I changed it. Um, you should be able to see by now that the logo is up on the websites and there are t-shirts on the Teespring that have replaced the old logo. I have ordered the mini buttons that I send to my guests who have been on the show. They should be here in a couple weeks and stickers, uh, things like that. So I'm, I'm slowly starting to rebuild back the swag that I used to have with the old logo that, um, won't go out anymore. So even though I do have uh, quite a lot of stuff sitting around my house, I don't, it's not going to go out. So I have to try to figure out a way to not be wasteful about it, um, but also not share it. So we'll see what happens with that. But I, I am really happy with the new logo. I do think that if this was the original logo that I had designed, that I would feel equally as excited about as I was when I created the first logo. Um, I am still emotionally connected to the original logo and, and I'm I still find it very like visually beautiful, but I also understand knowing what I know that it is not something that just because I feel any kind of way about it, that that's necessary to have out. Um, so to the best of my knowledge, I have pulled it from everywhere that going forward, like the profile pictures of all the social media, the headers and things like that. I do believe I have fixed that everywhere. In, but if I notice it somewhere, if you or you still see it, please let me know, and I'll I'll make sure I make that update. Um, I do need to do some more work still on the website and and the um, uh, especially the episodes page of the website. That like a, uh, that is actually a really each individual episode. I'm going to have to correct it individually. I can't do it in mass, so that's going to take me a while because I'm only one person production team, and I couldn't pay anybody um, beyond what I've already paid them to do to do that for me. So, um, bear with me on that. I will get that up. Unfortunately, I can't even pull it down. That's the problem. I have to do open each episode, change it, save it, go to the next one, open each episode, change it and say, so it's a multi-step process that I'm going to have to do for over a hundred episodes. And I'm starting with the first 20 because that's what's on the website right now. And then I'll have to continue to go back as, and do a couple here and there until I can get the whole show up. Um, so thank goodness it's happening now at 110 episodes and not, um, not five years from now, because that would, um, I definitely have to get a community worth of support for that. But so I, I'm really grateful for this process. I'm grateful for the people who uh, spoke to me about it so that we could work out what was going to be the best thing going forward. Um, the social distancing hangout, a couple of Facebook groups that I'm members of, Women of Color Podcasters and the Blasians United group all contributed to conversation about this process. Um, of course, the original poster, the original person who reached out and then personal friends and family, my podcast play cousins, stuff like that. I've had this conversation with multiple people. And I feel like as a result of all of those conversations, we got to a place with the new logo that I believe will be positive going forward. And, and I feel really comfortable with. Um, so I think that's that related to the logo. 
couple things, announcements that are going on, going f- of what events are happening going forward. I, I do have um, some good things coming up. Uh, first of all, I recorded last week an uh, episode of Militantly Mixed with a student organizer at Mixed at Berkeley. And that is going to air as a part of Mixed at Berkeley's Mixed Month. So for the entire month of October, they will be doing workshops and video chats and things like that on, I believe it's every Saturday of the month, Mixed at Berkeley has has various speakers and people that are involved both on campus and off of campus to talk about mixedness. They have an organization, Mixed at Berkeley, where they actively seek out to recruit and retain mixed race students and black and brown students onto Berkeley campuses because Berkeley is a very, (laughs) it's a very white university, but it has such a major history of civil rights activism and things like that. So in keeping with that mission, they are actively doing that. So I got to interview one of their directors, Sage, and that episode is going to go up for Mixed at Berkeley, I believe, Saturday, October 3rd. And then once it airs for Mixed at Berkeley, it'll follow and air on Militantly Mixed the following Tuesday. So as soon as I know what day that is, it'll either go up and be the next episode or I will let y'all know when that airs. And um, and I may pick up another couple of Berkeley students to go ahead and interview throughout the month of October as well. So, so stay tuned for that. Keep an eye on the social media because that's when you're going to have time to actually hear about uh, when things are airing. But check out Mixed at Berkeley on Instagram, on Facebook, on their website, if you have any questions about what's going on for the mixed race organization at Berkeley. I think they're doing really great work. I'm inspired by them. I'm jealous that it exists because it didn't exist when I was in high school, uh, college. And I just really had a great time in connecting with the people that I've spoken to at Berkeley so far. Uh, so that's one of the things that is happening in October. The second thing is on October 15th, I am going to be speaking through uh, Sierra College's Pride Virtual Conference. Um, I believe it is 2 p.m. on Thursday, October 15th. It'll be a live Zoom, and I will be speaking on intersectional identity, which is actually something I've done at Sierra College before um, a couple years ago. And I'm kind of coming back to, to talk about it again with the folks. They have a really great program for their Pride event. Not necessarily all mixed, although there are some mixed people who are on their their docket. So if you're interested in the the Pride event itself, there's a, a number of speakers. Clay Kane, uh, he's a radio personality and author of Live Through This. It's a if you haven't read it, it is an amazing memoir about his experience as both a he doesn't identify as mixed. He but he is he had a black father and a white mother. He was raised predominantly by his white mother, but then his teenage years, he was with his black father. So he does identify as a black man, but he acknowledges that he has um, multiracial heritage. And he speaks about that and and that has effect on his upbringing, in addition to being a queer person, in addition to being a, I don't think he actually calls himself an atheist, but um, definitely closer to non-believer than believer, although he did grow up in the church. So in listening to his audiobook, I can only pretty much do audiobooks nowadays. I'm so busy, but um, I really felt his story, his story and I, his story and my story have a lot of overlap in terms of the time period that we were being brought up. The fact that we have different race parents, the cultural upbringing in black church versus 
any other racial church. Uh, there's a lot of crossover. And of course, being a queer person. So he is on the, the docket. There are a number of uh, people that are big in the LGBTQ rights advocacy. And so I'm really glad to be a part of that event. So I'll have links to that on the Facebook page and on social media. So stay tuned to that if you want to see it happening live. I'm not sure if it's going to be available after the fact, but if it is, I'll definitely share where that's going to be. And then I will also take the audio down from that event as well and share that on the show if they'll let me do that as well. So two good things happening in October for Militantly Mixed, getting a chance to to speak at Sierra and host some interviews from students at Mixed at Berkeley. Um, I'm also looking to do a little bit more of that. I know I am in talks with a Bay Area high school mixed student union. So hopefully that'll happen before the end of the year as well. But we'll see. I mean, I'm really glad to be getting more involved with the university level and college level mixed student unions. The fact that those are existing now make me so happy. And I'm just really glad to connect with y'all and and hope to, you know, hope in any way that I'm capable of to continue to promote your organizations and, and support wherever I can. All right. Before we wrap up, because I didn't realize I was going to talk so long about the logo. Um, I'm going to get back to regular episodes soon. I promise. <laughs> it's just been, I mean, y'all know you're going through it too. It's just been a crazy time. I do want to acknowledge, because I didn't last week, the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, I have posted about this on the Militantly Mixed page and in my own social media. Um, so I, I had mentioned that I would address it here. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is a very significant figure in American history, and she will always have a very critical place in our history. The work that she's done at, in her law career, in addition to once she became one of our Supreme Court justices in terms of women's rights and LGBTQ rights, has been significant. But she is a very complicated figure, and her death brings up acknowledgments on both sides, um, acknowledgments of everything that she's done for women and LGBTQ plus rights, but also that at the same time she's doing all that advocacy work, she was also doing work that was <laughs> blocking or reducing and in my personal view, seems to be downright racist towards indigenous people. A lot of her rulings and and the way she seemed to approach the things having to do with Native American sovereignty. It's really confusing given the kind of things that she had done in her advocacy for women's rights and LGBTQ plus rights. Um, she's complicated. So in her passing, I was, I was saddened by her passing. I was also, and I'm not uncomfortable admitting this, really upset about the timing of her death, given what our current political climate here is in the United States. It was a really bad time to give the opportunity to place another Supreme Court justice uh, by asterisk 45 will have negative repercussions on the United States judicial system for generations. That is not an exaggeration. Because this is a lifetime appointment, 
these people will have a major impact for many, many generations to come. And allowing Asterisk 45 to put in another justice means that it'll be majority conservative and not just majority conservative, but majority anti-poor, anti-brown and black, anti-queer, anti-woman. That is the makeup of the conservatives that are currently on our Supreme Court with the most moderate of those conservatives being Justice Roberts, and he is extremely conservative. So that's not saying a whole lot. So in terms of the timing of her death, it's a very bad time. Separate from her as as a human, the loss of life. That's also significant, but in terms of the repercussions on the country, the timing is really bad. That being said, immediately after her death, you would see a mix of People lamenting her passing, and also people reminding folks about her racism towards indigenous people and her rulings that impacted them. And people were getting upset about that if they were on the other side of it because they felt like we should only be talking about the good that she's done. And I don't agree with that. I think that death should not absolve you from things that you've done throughout your life, positive or negative that it is all a package of who you were so that at the end of your life, both of those things are weighted against your legacy. And I don't want to erase the fact that she appeared to be anti-Indigenous and that she ruled against them in terms of acknowledging the sovereignty and staying committed to the treaties that were signed with them. She promoted this, I believe it was called the Discovery something, where it was like, yeah, we know you were here first, but we discovered it and then we did it better. So, sorry, it's just time for you to move on with your life. Um, That was essentially the feeling that she gave off in terms of her rulings that were anti-Indigenous. And I don't think she should, that that should be erased from her history. People should remember that she did that. Um, It was always an area that made me really uncomfortable in supporting her because she did that. And yet I can't not acknowledge the fact that a lot of the things that she did in terms of women's rights and queer rights have been beneficial to me as a queer woman, but also to the entire United States. Not every figure, historical figure, is all positive. Typically not all negative, although that would, I'd be really hard-pressed to say that about our current administration. So it is okay to both mourn a person for their contribution to our history and acknowledge and still be angry about the bad that they have done in their life. So I don't want to see people trashing indigenous people for reminding folks that what they she did to them. They have that right. They should be able to speak on it and we should not erase that she's done what she's done. Also, people should be able to remor- mourn what she did and be upset about the timing of her death and 
the fact that it is going to have a negative impact on this country for many, many generations, that is also okay. All of those things to be worried about at the same time is okay. We should all be worried about all of those things. So I, I bring it up to say that I, I acknowledge her passing. I am upset about her passing and the contributions that she has given to this country and our history. And I'm afraid of what she's done that will be dialed back as a result of the majority conservative replacement that they're going to have going forward. I am upset about all of those things. And I, I did cry for her death. I, I was very upset. But there's always a but. And I thought about that but the day she died as well. She is a significant figure to the United States history. She's done a lot of positive for women and LGBTQ plus rights. But she also contributed to the potential eradication and genocide of indigenous people by eroding at their rights and their lands. So. All I can say is that people are complicated and you can both mourn and be angry at a person. And that is how I was feeling about her passing. And I want to encourage others to feel comfortable in acknowledging all of those things and and that there's not necessarily good done in erasing the bad that someone's done just because they've died. To personalize it, my dad was a very abusive, horrible person to me in my real life. And when he got cancer, people tried to encourage me to go say goodbye and forgive him. But he wouldn't have stopped being the abusive person that he was just because he got cancer, if he hadn't gotten cancer. And just because he got cancer doesn't mean that he wasn't the same person. So I chose not to go see him. I had already said my goodbyes to him years before, before he was sick, before anything. When I finally was legally allowed to separate myself from him, I did. I have a handful of positive memories from my childhood with my father. I have a heap of bad memories and trauma related to my father. So I could say that I could mourn a little, but mostly his death was a relief to me because it meant he couldn't harm me anymore. And I can continue to feel those complicated feelings about him, even though he's been dead for 20 years. I don't think that's much different than what I'm talking about here with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, that she wasn't all good and she wasn't all bad. She just happened to be in a position that her good and bad had impact on many people for generations to come. So it is very complicated in mourning her and and also knowing the bad that she's done. I wanted to address that on the show just because this is a, a public space and that 
Um, the show's called Militantly Mixed because I am militantly mixed. And I think part of my militancy is acknowledging truth in things related to race and ethnicity and cultural identity and all of those things. And some of the things that Ruth Bader Ginsburg contributed have a lot to do with race and identity. And I'm not going to just come on here and erase the fact that she's done some harm to an entire population of people while also doing good to others. I, I assume that many of us have that as well. A good example in my case would be that I had a logo that was causing harm and I changed it once I became aware of it. What is complicated to me about RBG is that she had been approached about her complicated uh, indigenous people. She had been shown how her treatment of indigenous people was not unlike the treatment of the patriarchy to women, but it didn't alter her approach. And that's what I think is so significant about her situation is that someone who is a humanitarian should be a humanitarian across the board. And in her case, it was selective. I don't know much more to say about that. Beyond that, I think it's okay to mourn her and be concerned about the timing of her death, but it is not okay to erase the fact that she has caused harm. And that's all I have to say about that, I guess. <laughs> all right, switching gears. Um, before we wrap up, I do want to acknowledge i know i've done it on the um the facebook group but i haven't done it on the show yet i i don't think i have mentioned it um but i want to acknowledge and i want to get better about acknowledging these cultural month awareness months but i i tend to to not be i i have not done it in the past um i have had some special black history month things but um because that's my one of my own heritages i realize that i actually haven't done it across the board so i want to get better about doing that and this month is Hispanic Heritage Month. I've also seen it posted as Hispanic and Latinx Heritage Month. It is the acknowledgement and a celebration month of awareness for Hispanic and Latinx cultures. Uh, it takes place from September 15th to October 15th every year. And so if you have stories of your own heritage or your mix or how you incorporate your Hispanic or Latinx heritage with your other heritages and you want to share it on the show, you can either send a voice memo to Charmaine at militantlymix.com. That's S as in Sam, H-A-R, M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, E at militantlymix.com. And I can play it on an, a future episode of Militantly Mixed. Um, I'll also take any messages that get posted in the Facebook group or the Instagram or the Twitter comments or whatever. Um, I'll share those too if you want to drop me a thing as well. I could get in to try to explain Hispanic or Latinx pride, but not coming from those cultures, I don't want to misrepresent the people. So I want to hear it from you. If you have something you want to share, please do so. And I will get it on an upcoming episode of Militantly Mixed. 
And then going forward, I will try to do this more often. I'm aware of, I believe, Asian and Pacific Islander Month is in June alongside Gay Pride. Um, I don't know all of the heritage months, though, uh, I will admit. So I will do my best to try to get on that a little bit better so that I can represent throughout each month that those come up. And uh, also, I have added to the website a button for if you want to be a guest on Military Mix. I don't know why it's taken me so long to do that. Usually, I just tell you to email me. But you can actually go to militantlymix.com. And on the homepage, there's a part, a little button that says, be a guest. Click on that. It'll send you to a Google form where you can fill it out and be considered for a guest spot. I will once or twice a month go in and pull those names down and set up a pre-screen with y'all and then get you scheduled to be on the show if you have a story that you want to share. So if you want to be a guest on the show, that's how you do it now. You go to militantlymix.com and click on the be a guest button and we'll get you um, set up for a pre-screen. And as I mentioned before, the new logo swag is starting to come together. You can go to our Teespring page, which there'll be a link in the show notes to this, but you can always just go to Teespring, T-E-E, Spring, S-P-R-I-N-G.com and search for Militilly Mix and the store for Militilly Mix will pop up. Uh, We got hoodies and t-shirts for the new logo, mugs and tote bags. The stickers are something that I've already ordered from a separate institution because Teespring stickers are way too expensive. So those will be up on the Militilly Mix website soon, as well as the mini pins. Now, what I can't afford to replace yet, but will eventually is the enamel pins. Last year, I ordered 100 of those. I still have 64 of them left, but they are now just going to be sitting in a box until I figure out if there's a way to recycle them or or find use for them. But I can't afford to replace those anytime soon. You always have to do 100 minimums. And as last year showed me, 100 didn't sell out. So I don't know when I'm going to be able to make those possible. But slowly but surely, we'll get the swag back up. And then for those of you who are Patreon sponsors who are waiting for rewards that include pins and t-shirts and things like that, that is now actually going to be possible. So over the next month, month and a half, I'll be catching up on any of those rewards that um, I'm behind on. If you would like to sponsor the show, because this is a fan-sponsored show, you can go to patreon.com slash militantlymix. There's also a link in the show notes for this as well. And you can sponsor the show for as low as a dollar a month to as high as anything you wish. And there are different reward levels depending on what you choose. And if you would like to sponsor the show but don't want to commit to a monthly sponsorship, you can go to paypal.me slash militantlymixed and contribute that way. All of the funds from both of those things go directly back into Militantly Mixed and are either used for the production costs or swag costs or various things like that to keep the show going and growing. Um, The website hosting, the email hosting, podcast hosting, all of the things. Without your contributions, I would not be able to keep the show going. It has grown so significantly. um, And with that, so has the cost. So I really appreciate the support that I've gotten from y'all. And um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up for this week. Just keep an eye out on the social media for updates about the Mixed at Berkeley segments and... Just a heads up that next month's, the month of October's live stream on the third Thursday of the month is going to be on mixed race activism. And I am still locking down the guest for that. I I have one so far. I'm locking, I'm looking at two other people that I'm trying to lock down, but that is going to be on October 15th as well. So October 15th is going to be a 
a busy day for me because uh, third Thursday of the month and also the event at Sierra College. So stay tuned. Keep up on the social media so you can keep up on what is going on. And don't forget to be your mixed ass selves. Bye, y'all. Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, the one. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. If you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash militantly mixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantly mixed for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.